0: when my wife had our first baby, I remember two things. The first was the most absolute horrible experience of my life, of watching a birth take place. If you have kids, y'all can say that's beautiful. It ain't beautiful. There ain't nothing beautiful about all that. The second was the most amazing moment. Was holding my child, and as I as I'm holding this beautiful little baby, I'm looking at her thinking she is absolutely perfect. Her teeny little nose and her teeny little feet and her little fingers and. All of those things. She's just so beautiful and so absolutely perfect. Now my son, he was ugly when he came out. Y'all can tell him that because he's really cute now. But I, I just remember that moment of holding my daughter and immediately there was this heart connection that happened. Like this I'm going to protect her, and I'm going to care for her, and I'm going to love on her, and I have no clue how to change a diaper or like whatever throw-up, spit-up mess those babies do, that white stuff, I have no clue what that is. Like, I don't know any of that kind of stuff. I've never been around kids. But this little thing, I'm going to take care of, and I'm going to figure it out. Because I love this teeny little thing. I want to protect this thing. I wanna I wanna share my life with this little girl. You didn't have to tell me to be a dad. It was an immediate heart connection. Listen, if I'm that bad, I'm so sorry. All right? I'm so sorry. Must be nap time. Um, She didn't have to tell me how to be a dad Now sure I didn't know how to change a diaper (laughs) I'd never never done that before Sure I I didn't know how to do the spit up thing and And like if the baby was you know sick Give it medicine all that kind of stuff Like the first our first child Basically any time that my daughter made any kind of whimper at all I was like here here someone someone it's gonna blow up What do I do? I don't know. This stuff is coming out of this baby. What do I do? But I was still her daddy. And I still loved her to pieces. And it was in that moment that I met her little face that that, that relationship was established. My identity as a father was established in that moment. You didn't have to train me it just happened because we her and i experienced a heart connection that we continue to share today and until one of us goes away <laughs> hmm you see scott asked me to talk this morning about equipping And why being equipped is so important. And and I'm here to tell you (laughs) that the reality is that God's strategy for equipping is family. It's how He does this, it's how He equips us for the road ahead. When you recognize the relationship that you have with a son or a daughter or a mother or a father or a sister or a brother, when you understand that relationship, it happens organically. Now, sure, just like I said with having a baby, like I didn't know how to change diapers and do all that kind of stuff. But the heart connection was there. The heart connection was established. And because the heart connection was established, it pushed me to want to figure out how to be a good dad. You see, I think we're getting this thing all wrong. I think we're coming to Jesus and we're going, okay, what do I need to do to be a good Christian? What do I need to do? It would be like me going, what do I need to do to be a good dad? How do I need to change the diaper? How do I need to do this? I don't care about the relationship part. Just tell me what I got to do. Change a diaper, check, got that. Clean spit up, got that. Give medicine, give food, so on, so forth, got that. Never establish a heart connection. It doesn't matter. Let me just focus on doing what I got to do to be a dad. Guess what? If my daughter or my son grew up in that kind of household, they're going to grow up one day and they're going to flip their lid on me. And maybe that's your experience. You see, true equipping comes when a heart connection is established. True equipping, true desire to figure out how to walk in this life comes when heart connections are established. In Matthew chapter 12, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, it'll be on the screen. Um, Jesus is talking with some people and some of his disciples. And it says this, it says, While he was speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brother stood outside asking to speak to him. Okay, his mom and his brothers were outside and Jesus was inside teaching. And and they're saying, hey, your your, your mom and your brothers are, are here. And, and it says, Jesus replied to the man who, uh, the man who told him, he said, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, These are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my mother and sister and brothers. You see, in that statement, Jesus was not diminishing flesh and blood relationship. He wasn't saying that his mother and his brothers aren't important. What he was saying is he was proclaiming the nature of what family is supposed to do and be. You see, if you really want to be a family, Jesus defined it right there. It's people who are walking together toward the father. If you're walking together to you, towards your dad, that's your family. Some of that might be flesh and blood, some of it might be other relationships. Here's the deal, guys. Take one quick second and look around. This is part of your family. We're not perfect, but we're family. How many of you have crazy uncles in the room? Crazy aunts, crazy cousins. If you don't, you're the crazy one. Listen. Just because they're crazy doesn't mean that they're not family. I'm going to get in trouble for saying this because some of my family members are in the room. But uh, it's not a family get-together when my family gets together unless somebody gets arrested. And so... As crazy as my family can be sometimes, they're still my family. And I love them. And they get on my nerves. And I love them. And you know what? At the end of the day, they're my family. Why are they my family? Because I've understood what it means to experience a heart connection with them. And so the culture that we want to create in this place is a place where people can experience heart connections with one another where people can understand the nature of being a brother and a sister and a mom and a dad and a grandmother and a grandfather. And it's a safe environment for that to happen. This series that we're in is called Exposure, Exposure. You know what that means? It means to be laid open, to be naked, essentially, to to be revealed, and that's the purpose of what we are called to do as a church family is to experience heart connections with one another, which helps us understand the nature of our relationship. If I look at you as just a church person and I'm your pastor, then you're going to get a high five and a, hey, how's it going? And maybe if you have an issue, I might throw a Bible verse or two at it, but that's pretty much it. I'm just trying to give away a a product, right, that maybe you're satisfied with or not. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of that kind of experience with church. I don't think that's what Jesus died for, and I don't think that's what the Holy Spirit is empowering us to experience today. And so, what what this means is that Jesus has called us to be mothers and brothers and fathers and sisters and daughters in this house in this place, in this community. This community needs strong mom and dads. This community needs strong brothers and sisters. This community needs strong heart connections because when we do that, it breeds equipping. It breeds transparency. There's been countless times I've had to come to my family members and say, I screwed up, I messed up. I've had to go to my wife. Hey, I've screwed up. I've messed up. I've had to come to my daughter and my son. Hey, daddy didn't mean to say that. I'm so sorry. But in my family environment, when I open up and I I humble myself and I submit to exposure to transparency, it's always met with grace. It's met with love. Jesus defined this. Friends, look around you and the people that you see walking toward the Father, that's your family. The people in your circle that are walking toward the Father, that's your family. Whoever that is, that's your family. You see, Jesus showed us the purpose of our family. It's the purpose of these relationships Real equipping, real training happens in places where where we are willing to be transparent, to be exposed, to be vulnerable, which is why developing a family culture is so important in this place because we've got to have safe places where we can be who we are. We've got to have safe places. We've got to have circles of people where we can be who we really are because only you know who you are deep down inside. And if you know, if you're establishing a heart connection with a mother or a father or a sister of a, or a brother, spiritually speaking, you look at someone and you know, I don't just go to, that ch- to church with that person, they're my brother. They're my sister. Is that, if that, as those heart connections begin to be established, then... You start walking toward the Father together. Then you start equipping each other, encouraging each other, and then transparency happens. And transparency always leads to freedom. It always does. Scripture is very clear. Anything that becomes visible, anything that is brought to the light, there's freedom there. There's freedom in that. Family is one of God's greatest assets to teach us about life in his kingdom, It's our our primary, it's his primary relationship structure. Catch this, okay, because this is what this, this place, this is what this community is supposed to look like. A father who has sons and daughters that raise up sons and daughters to have more sons and daughters. They raise up sons and daughters to be moms and dads that have other sons and daughters and we're all chasing after the Father together. That's the cycle of the church. That's the heritage that we bring. That's the inheritance that we are supposed to be giving away. You want to give away a good inheritance? Don't necessarily worry about saving up a million dollars. If you do, call me. I'll give you my email later. Worry about installing heart connections. With those around you, because if you can give away strong heart connections as you experience this connection this encounter with the father that keeps you aware of his presence as we do that as we walk in the presence of the holy spirit and we give that away this culture is going to change this community is going to change where there was like spirit of comparison and, and, uh, um, and addictions and all this kind of stuff, all that stuff's gonna start melting. All that stuff's gonna start going away. Because as a, as a son and as a brother, when I come into the light and I say, hey guys, man, this is really who I am. I struggle with anger sometimes. Sometimes I'm not a great husband because I, I, I just, I'm very selfish. Like when I'm, when I'm willing to just be that, And I'm I'm experiencing a heart connection with with the people around me. We push each other toward the Father. We walk with each other toward the Father. That's the call that Jesus gave us, and it's only achieved through family. This can't be achieved through a CEO Fortune 500 business model. It's not going to work because in that type of business model, it's all about how I can step on you to get to the next thing. How can I make you look worse so that I look better? How can I downplay what you just did so that I can upplay what I'm getting ready to do? That model doesn't work in church. That model doesn't work in family. That model is broken and we've got to move away. We've got to begin to operate what a kingdom-minded family looks like. And so I'll, I'll just, I wanna just take a, a couple minutes and I wanna share um, what a kingdom-minded family looks like. Just 15 minutes. 15 minutes. Uh, turn, to, turn with me to Psalm one twenty seven. This passage has like rocked my face off. I can't. Um, I, I won't be able to unpack all the verses and everything because there's just there's too much goodness in this. But I, I just I just want to unpack a few truths as we understand how to step into our equipping as a family. In verse one. Psalm 127, verse 1, it says this: listen, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. I don't know about you, but I've personally experienced this in my own household. I have tried to raise up the image of a good family. I want my kids to act a certain way. I want my, my wife to, to act a certain way, to be a certain thing. I wanna look a certain way and act a certain way. It's like the Instagram family, right? Like, like we only take the pictures when, when, we're, when our good side is showing, right? Like, that, like that, that's what we're We're focused on, making sure that we look the part, that we have the right house and the right car and the right stuff and, 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 and we're, we're motivated by building the image of something good. And maybe your motivation might be right. Like maybe you love the Lord and you you want people to see how good God is. Like that's great. But if you are trying to build a house that shows how God, how good God is, guess what? You're laboring in vain. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, unless We understand that every good and perfect gift, everything we have comes from the Father. In this household, as a church, like everything we get comes directly from the blessing of God. He's establishing this house. He is giving the increase. He is building. In our natural families, He is building. In your small groups, He is building. In anything that you put your hand to, guess what? The father is building that house. If he's not, if you don't understand that, then your labor is in vain. Another word for vain is the word vanity. It's a vanity. Sometimes we get so consumed with looking a certain way and and acting a certain way that it's a vanity for us. Let go of your preconceived notion of what a family looks like. Change your lens. That picture of the nice house with the white picket fence and the golden retriever and the 2.5 kids, American dream, it's more like an American nightmare. Most people that that I've intersected with That are trying to chase the dream of keeping up with the Joneses are neck deep in debt from college to house payments to car payments to whatever it is. And they're just trying to get by. That's not what the Lord has called us to. It's time to release that image. Guess what? Real family is messy, real family gets dirty. It gets messy when we start really interacting as family members, but it's a good thing because like scripture says, when we bring our mess to the light, it becomes visible and anything that's visible is light. Light comes from the father. So God is actually taking care of our messes for us, but we gotta let him build. Maybe it's time for you to stop working and let him build for you. Maybe you need to be the one that rests for a moment and out of the rest that the Father gives you, you'll see how He's building for you. Maybe you need to stop trying to earn the next dollar. Men in the room, like as a, as a father figure and as a protector and a guider and all that stuff, maybe you need to stop doing that for 10 minutes just so that you can get on your knee and be with your kids and let God build the house while you focus on the heart connection. It goes on jump jump with me. I don't have time to unpack the rest of this. I just I want to three more verses very quickly. In in verse 3 it says behold children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Guys, I'm, I'm not talking about just natural family. Like, yes, natural. Like, if you've had babies in the room, like, they are a part of your heritage. You are passing on a lineage, which is amazing. And that is such a God-ordained thing. Continue to do that, all right? That is excellent. But also, from a spiritual standpoint, like, as we raise up sons and daughters in this house, which means people— Uh, men and women coming to know Jesus, becoming children in the faith, like that boosts the heritage of this place. It boosts the heritage of God in this community. Like my son is four years old and he is nuts. Like, he is crazy. He's not self-aware in any way, shape, or form. He will run up here and, um, and, and sing a song right now to every single one of you with, like, not even a thought. He'll jump on those drums and beat the mess out of them. Like, he does not care. He is totally unhindered. Think about this. As we live out our lives for Christ... Other people see that and they get interested and they begin to establish heart connections with us and then we have an opportunity to lead them to Jesus. I'm not talking about praying a prayer, confessing your sins, like all that kind of stuff. I'm talking about people knowing that Jesus is real and saying, I'm in, I wanna follow him. I'm not talking about some 12-step program. I'm not talking about a, a systematic like, you know, get people to Jesus kind of thing. I'm talking about you falling in love with a father because of what Jesus did and just giving that away, that your daddy loves you and you've had a heart connection with him. As you do that, children start popping up. Other people go, dude, I want that. I want to be a child under that. Like that guy's dad is the best dad. I want, to be that, I want to be that guy's son. That guy that he's talking about, like, yes, I'm all in for that. He's that good. When we do that, children start raising up. And you know what? Children in a home is chaotic and it's fun. Take a, I'll take a house full of four-year-olds all day long. You know why? It's chaotic, but it's full of life. It's full of joy. That's what this house needs. That's what we're doing. This is what we're walking toward. Children being a heritage from the Lord. Raising up sons and daughters. Young young people in the faith. And I, when I say young people in the faith, I mean, you can be like 60 and still be a young person in the faith, all right? That's what I want to be. I want to be a child in the faith. And, and in verse four, it says this, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children of one's youth. This one messed me up. like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. So this one hit home with me because I have a young I have young kids. I have young kids. I have a four-year-old and I have a seven-year-old. And, and, and I'm like, OK, so, so my kids they're young, like I, I consider myself fairly young still. And and and, and my children are young, so they're like arrows. How does that make sense? It only makes sense if I perceive myself to be a warrior. If you're a mom and a dad in this room, like if you have natural children, but also if you have like people that are that you're mentoring as like a spiritual son or a spiritual daughter, like people that you're pouring into, they need to see a warrior. Your children need to see someone that is confident, that is strong, not because you're that good, but because the Father is that good. Because the Father calls out the best identity in you. And when God looks at you, He sees a confident, um, strong warrior in the faith. Not because you feel that way, but because that's who the Father says you are. And when you speak that identity over yourself, you lean into that warrior mentality, I am a faithful, confident, righteousness of God and Christ, follower of Jesus. When you lean into that warrior uh, identity, then your children become arrows. Now think about this. An arrow does not shoot itself. Right? Just like children don't raise themselves. We have to literally, the testimony of who our children are becomes the arrow that we get to extinguish the voice of the enemy with. Because it goes on, it says in verse five, blessed is the man who fills his quiver with arrows, with children. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. When I went to Israel one of the things that I found very interesting is at the gates of all of the villages, all the cities that were, that most of them were ruins, but at the gates of all the cities, when you would go out to the front gate of the city, there would be this big block structure with like a a throne type thing on it. And that was literally called the seat of, of judgment. It was like a place where If you had a dispute with someone, you would walk out of the city gate and you would just sit or stand on this pedestal and you would give an account of what you were fighting against. And then the enemy, the person that's against you, would give an account and that's how they settled judicial arguments in the Old Testament, and this passage is literally saying, "When you raise up strong sons and daughters, their testimony of you being a warrior will put enemies to shame when they speak of you in the gate." So think about this. And this work, this like works tremendously if you have young kids, because it's connecting with me because I've got young kids. But, man, when I feel beat up and when I feel like I'm not being a great dad, a good pastor, a good husband, like when, I'm, when, I'm the, when the enemy begins to get at my gate and starts telling me stuff, if I, all I need to do is just go home. Like if I just go home and I say, hey, Liam, I'm home, or hey, Lily, I'm home, it's immediate. Like they just run and jump in my lap, all I need is that testimony of love, that heart connection of raising a child to extinguish the voice of the enemy. My children literally become arrows against the enemy's ploy. I just sit with them, and my heart gets quiet. If I really need like a bump. Because we all need bumps sometimes. Like if I really need one, I'll sit down and I'll say, Hey, Lily, how much do you love me? Now listen, you can you can call that coercion or whatever. Hey, I'll give you a $20 bill. You can call that whatever you want to, but listen. When I say that, the answer is always to the moon and back. Sometimes you just need to hear someone say, man, (laughs) thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you for being who you are. And in a family setting, that's what happens naturally. We've got to establish this type of culture in this house so that the enemy can be extinguished so that sons and daughters are being raised up, so that when you go to battle for something, your sons and daughters, your brothers and sisters, they come around you and they sit in your lap. And they lean into you and they tell you, they encourage you. And all of a sudden the enemy's voice gets super quiet. We can't do this journey alone, guys. We're not designed for it. We're not designed for it. We need people who operate as sons and daughters around us with faith like children to be arrows against the enemy. It's their testimony that strengthens the family bond. Guys, you're already equipped. Hebrews tells us that we are equipped for every good work The toolbox is already there and it's open for for you to take. You just need the heart connection with the Father to lean into your equipping. I want to prove this with one quick story. Give me one minute and then I'm done. Not too long ago, just a few weeks ago, my daughter was riding in a car with my wife. They had uh, gotten out of school, and they were going to eat at the healthiest place on earth called Taco Bell. <laughs> they were only going to eat lettuce. Um, and on the way, my daughter says, "Mommy, um, I'm going to order. Let can I order on my own?" And my my daughter is like is a very quiet. Child. My son, he'll talk your hair off. But my daughter's just, she's very quiet. She's very intuitive. She's extremely intelligent. And she says, She says, Mom, I want to order. God, I'm crying about a Taco Bell thing. Come on. And uh and my wife goes, okay. And then immediately she goes, No, 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 no. I can't do that. I can't do it and Sky looks back and she goes are you sure honey because you can totally do this you can totally do this you know what I tell you what let's, let's practice let's practice ordering food and she goes okay and so they practice hey can I take your order what would you like whatever they pull up into the drive-thru and my wife rolls her window down and Lily orders her food And my wife is like, yes, good job. That's awesome. And then my daughter said, mommy, do you know why I ordered my food? And she said, why, honey? She said, because when I looked in your face, I knew that I was going to miss an opportunity if I didn't do it. deep theology from a 7 year old You see I think sometimes if we would just embrace this heart connection that we have with our father if we would just lean in to the presence of him in our lives there would be moments when we go hey dad I'm going to do that no, no 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 I can't I can't do that I couldn't do that and the father turns around and goes are you sure son Are you sure, daughter? Because you can totally do it. Here, let's practice. (laughs) That's equipping. If we just would look at the Father's face, it's all the equipping that we need. It's all the confidence that we need. And then we look around to our left and our right, and we see other sons and daughters doing the same thing, looking at their dad, and their dad's looking back at them, going, Y'all can do this. You can totally do this. Let's practice. <laughs> We're already equipped, we just need to be put in situations and in relationships that make us come alive. We need to establish that heart connection with the Father and then the equipping falls in line.